what's up guys how are your marsh madness brackets going uh to be honest not that great first seed virginia losing in the first round uh and then princeton making a run too i know it's been crazy good thing i didn't have any money on those games ray what's the problem why are you so quiet all of a sudden I put money on Virginia and Arizona to win today, so not a great day for me. Ah, oh, man, you put money on those games. How much you put on there? Uh, a little bit too much, just like uh, 20 bucks here and there. Oh, man. Hello, everyone. My name is Min. I'm Shums. And I'm Valeria. And this is Ray speaking. We are here today to dive a little deeper into this phenomenon of gambling, with our focus on college-age individuals, 18 to 24, and even beyond. We are a group of college students ourselves, part of a class at the University of Pennsylvania, where we are looking at the issue of gambling, its history, use, and what we can do about it when it becomes a problem. Our demographic is a group that's been experiencing rising targeting from betting companies and one that has increased participation in gambling itself, with a lot of money going into sports. But before, before we do that, let's try and define problem gambling. Problem gambling is defined as gambling that negatively affects other social aspects of life, such as finances and mental health. It's also sometimes called pathological gambling, but I don't know, that makes it sound kind of sinister. We've learned that gambling has a long legacy in history, with its roots going back far deeper than we could have imagined. And gambling among college students is more than just common. It seems almost casualized, which I know, Valeria, you'll touch on later. The numbers are pretty jarring. New York State Problem Gambling Resource Center cite that research estimates that some 75% of college students have gambled in the past year, with 18% of those on a weekly basis. And a recent survey by Intelligent claims that one in four students gamble more than $1,000 per year. Some students even use their financial aid money or educational loans to gamble. Wow, I can't imagine being bold enough to gamble my financial aid money. But it does seem enticing. No, Min, not this again. A recent statement by Keith White, executive director of the National Council on Problem Gambling, encapsulates what should be a nationwide concern. Quote, we believe that the risks for gambling addiction overall have grown 30% from 2018 to 2021, with the risk concentrated among young males 18 to 24 who are sports bettors, unquote. And this trend can be traced back to a 2005 study from a journal on sports and the law found that sports betting coverage is perpetuated by the media, especially because back then, and even today, the spread or over-underlines were published right next to the scores in sports or the stat sheets. And collegiate athletics are a source of gambling propagation on campuses, specifically in regard to sports betting. Yeah, these days I see sports betting and gambling advertisements everywhere. Football, basketball, baseball, and even what color the Gatorade will be after the game. The color of Gatorade? Why do people bet on that? Guys, what's the over-under on how long this podcast will be? I bet it'll be over 15 minutes and 35 seconds. Okay, anyways, moving on, and we can compare this to the past. We know that today, prevalence in betting was not as high as it was in the past, as a 2007 study of college student-athletes shows that almost 35% of males reported wagering on any sporting events, professional or collegiate, in the past year, compared with 10% of females. And it really wasn't just sports betting. It was playing cards and board games for money, which was around 35%. Lottery tickets, same, around half of the po- a third of the population pardon of the survey lottery tickets bets on random outcomes like this and pool or bowling or even like slot machines were all relatively prevalent in some way and we can understand that these tendencies and patterns have always existed just now it's way more digitized 
More recently, we can see this trend with fantasy sports, where bettors and participants create teams by drafting players and garnering points based on their performance in real-life games. In 2016, a study on fantasy sports found that one interesting finding among the entire sample concerned participation in fantasy sports strongly correlating with past year gambling and experiencing gambling related problems regardless of athlete status. And I've played fantasy football for the last few years and it's super, super easy to do. Like social environments, you're just hanging out with your friends, can really create the ripe opportunity for you to think like, okay, like this is fine, everyone does it. So why don't I just like pay the buy into $40 and see what happens? Yeah, exact same things here. I don't like to consider myself a gambling person, but whenever all my friends are in on like a fantasy pool, I'm certainly hopping in there. Yeah, and this is super well corroborated by a recent report from 2021 too. It says that 47% of student athletes, 47% of sports fans, and 38% of other students gamble during the past school year. And past annual participation in sports betting was very well predicted by family, friends norms, and attitudes towards gambling. I agree. Personally, I have to admit that joining these fantasy leagues makes watching sports a bit more fun. In the end, who wouldn't pay for a little bit of fun? Exactly, and that's the huge pull. I mean, there's a trend here. Previously, it was lottery tickets and manual bets on pool and casinos, and of course, some sports betting. And now today, the majority of bets are online, and for college students, mainly on sports. But it's not just sports, as another study on social gambling with casinos shows that these trends exist on online platforms too, with Facebook being a primary mode of communication and transaction. Social casino games are those that are online applications which come as free to play, however require a monetary transaction to access further features and luck-based gameplay to win in-game items. So this can be anything be like getting items in a game that might be an RPG or playing online poker. Some come in form of traditional forums like I just mentioned and casinos. And one study estimates that 10 to 32% of adolescents have participated in a social casino game. And Facebook is the main perpetrator. Wow, those are quite the statistics. Is the gambling experience in college equal for everyone or are some people more likely to participate than others? Actually, no. Research has shown that the gambling experience depends on a variety of factors. One of the most influential factors for gambling among college-age students, specifically men, is the association with Greek life. In, 2000, in a 2007 study by Grace Barnes, they found that college-age men are most likely to partake in problem gambling than those not affiliated with fraternities. Could the social influence of peer pressure be the cause of this statistic? And what about sororities? Other studies have revealed that more men partake in gambling in person at casinos or at other locations compared to women. So the same probably wouldn't apply to college-age women. I see what you're saying. And based on what you said, it does seem like a big factor could be the type of environment that a college student is in. I mean, I myself am in a fraternity and there is definitely this kind of like betting culture that happens when we watch sports. We were watching the Super Bowl this past February that happened. So if the environment cultivates a gambling friendly setting, individuals might be more inclined to participate. Wow, I think you guys are onto something here. What are some other factors that might uniquely affect college students? I can think of drinking, partying, stress due to classes, and the types of people we hang out with. You're on it. In the early 2000s, developmental psychologist Jeffrey Arnett theorized that young adults, roughly 18 to 25, are more likely to participate in ri risky behaviors that, as they are in a transitional period in their life, exploring themselves without substantial controls like being under the watchful eyes of parents and not having an established lifestyle. 
These behaviors can translate to alcohol and drug use and even gambling. I mean, how many people do you know who like to go out to party on a Wednesday night just because they want to, even if it's not necessarily a good idea? Without the same financial responsibility of established adults, gambling could feel like a fun activity and maybe even risk-free. Plus, being away from parents allows you to do a whole lot more, including things that they disapprove of. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think we've all seen those things in action. A 2009 study on the behaviors of college students inquired on how the legal age of gambling affected gambling behavior. Researchers found that the legal gambling age of 21 was effective in limiting participation from individuals under age. However, gambling became significantly more attractive after students reached the legal age of 21. I find this interesting because research might imply that the age limits themselves might act as a double-edged sword. Yeah, that's a pretty like fascinating insight about the relationship between a government regulation and drinking age and then the behavior in turn of college students. Uh, and if you think about it, most people reach the legal age for drinking, gambling, and smoking these days um, during their time in college. Exactly. Based on our discussion, it appears that college students are uniquely vulnerable to gambling due to two main factors, their social environment and perhaps an exploration of something that they were previously not allowed to do. Agreed. A 2006 study also found that those who had weak impulse control and displayed sensation-seeking behaviors were more likely to gamble. This indicates that alternative forms of stimulation for sensation-seeking behaviors are needed among college students. Perhaps the promotion of other stimulating recreational activities needs to be promoted on more college campuses. Additionally, there needs to be a way for students to work on their impulse control. I know that when I feel like doing something that probably isn't a good idea, like going to the movies instead of finishing an essay, uh, I indulge myself because I feel like I deserve it. Could this be the same among those who gamble? Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely true. I mean, the college environment does seem to be quite a friendly place for gambling to start. However, as with all types of research, it is also important to consider other research as well. A study published in 2010 surveyed 1,000 participants and found that the college student status did not predict gambling, heavy gambling, or problem gambling. In fact, they found that the college environment made it more likely for students to drink. White students were more likely to be heavy drinkers, yet black students were more likely to do heavy gambling. I wonder why that would be. Also, white young adults that were diagnosed with ADHD as children were more likely to engage in impulsive behaviors, which includes pathological gambling. ADHD also correlates with addictive behaviors such as excessive drinking and substance abuse. Although the studies primarily researched Caucasian populations, ADHD manifests in all races and genders. We should take this study with a grain of salt, but emphasize the fact that ADHD is in general linked with compulsive behaviors, which could also be a com comorbidity that enables pathological gambling and substance abuse. Uh, wow, the uh, topic of college age gambling is getting way more complex than any of my broken March Madness practice. <laughs> Mine's not complicated, it's just bad. Why didn't I think of some upsets? Still, whether or not gambling in college is affected by the college environment or not, um, it's still important to realize that it has real implications. A 2017 study found that there was a significant relationship between problematic internet use, online gaming addiction, and depression among college students. The author found that college students who reported symptoms of online gaming addiction had significantly lower scores and measures in the quality of life. The study also found that 4.4% of participants reported engaging in online gambling, which ma with males more likely to report gambling than females. 
Yeah, those are some serious numbers. In an environment where mental and physical well-being is already vulnerable, gambling does seem to bring some serious concerns. In recent years, it's been hard not to notice the incredible uptick in sports gambling media and marketing ploys. Sponsorships have been made with some of the largest sports leagues in the world, broadcasting networks, and even individual teams and players themselves. Gambling media has been more ubiquitous than ever before. Yeah, I've definitely noticed this. Can't even be on social media platforms for more than an hour without getting a FanDuel ad. That's for sure. Especially with all the demographic information those social media platforms have about us, they know exactly who they're talking to. And get this. Studies have shown that the uptick in gambling media has had a significantly measurable outcome that leads to changes in gambling attentions. As one might expect, the more one, expo one is exposed to gambling media, the more likely they are to gamble. Gambling advertisements are often brushed aside with no regard for their importance. An issue arises for the first-time gambler. Uh, the free bet incentives taunted by many sportsbook companies have shown to play a significant role in increasing problem gambling behaviors. Um, I've included a, 20, uh, a quote from a 23-year-old gambler in London, um, and he says, These free bet incentives entice people in, definitely, and it encourages you to think bigger. Bet365 are doing a 100% match bonus if you deposit 200 pounds. All of a sudden, you think you have 400 pounds credit to wager with and you have to wager a certain number of times, but the offer has drawn you in and by the time you realize, you're done. That's pretty insane. I mean, sometimes it seems like you're betting with someone else's money, like a company's, and who wouldn't want to get in on that? For sure. However, our improved understanding of gambling media's effects have led us to some promising conclusions. Just like ads for gambling companies have been proven to increase gambling tendencies, media depictions of problem gambling with negative associations have been proven to decrease the likelihood of an individual's gambling behaviors. Okay, so we can use gambling media for the better. To juxtapose the positive gambling advertisements being flushed out by sportsbook companies, public health departments around the nation can air anti-gambling ads with proven effects. Alright, I like that plan. Let's try to get as much funding as we can behind anti-gambling ads. Wait, actually, I think, isn't, isn't there an example in real life? Like, anti-smoking like, ads. Those been working recently. Yeah, I mean, that's severely reduced the rates of smoking in the United States. I mean, it's worked here, and Europe didn't do the same thing, and they still have a smoking problem. Well, I like where you guys' heads are at, but let's hold up just one second. The influence of anti-gambling ads is shown, to, is shown to lack the persuasive ability compared to the pro-gambling ads. Um, more insight into effective anti-gambling media still needs to be made, just like they did with anti-smoking ads. Um, Moving forward, colleges around the countries have become a bit of the front lines on this war on gambling. Many schools in the United States rely heavily on their sports programs for their sense of identity, school pride, student recruitment, and oftentimes, funding. During the pandemic, revenues from college sports were brought to a near total halt, forcing many universities to come up with innovative solutions to gaps in their Excel spreadsheets that were once filled with numbers. Wait, wait, wait. What was going on? Well... Let me get there. Michigan State University, for example, recently partnered with Caesars Sportsbook in a deal winning the university close to $10 million over five years. For the university, all they had to do was run a few ads toting the official partnership between the school and the sportsbook and allow Caesars to gain a bit of a physical foothold on campus in the form of pregame tailgating space on the parking lots, for example. Whoa, pretty strange. But honestly, it seems innocent enough, right? 
Yeah, at first, but these type of partnerships have a few malicious outcomes. For one, underage students are often receiving advertisements direct to their student email inbox flaunting these free bet incentives, and those certainly act as a foot in the door for when, they're legal, when those students are legally allowed to enter the betting sites. Also, having the sportsbook advertisements be such a ubiquitous force on campus not only increase the accessibility of betting, but just how casual each of the people interacting with college sports understand understands betting to be, like we were talking about the gambling environment before. For example, 85% of students who gamble at universities with sports betting partnerships attribute the start of their gambling due to the direct promotions they receive from their university. Oh, that sounds like pretty evil. Yeah, you can say that again, especially because most college students aren't in a financial situation to enable willy-nilly gambling either. Time and time again, you can find stories online about college students who bet their lives away, living in terrible debt before graduation, and some of them even being forced to drop out as a result of their debt. Oh, wow. Uh, are any of the schools doing anything about this? Honestly, right now, it doesn't look like much help is coming from those schools. Uh, most seem to still be in the cash grab phase following the pandemic to make up for the money they lost during the pandemic. And oftentimes, these universities are self-admittedly ill-equipped to deal with uh, students who are showing early signs of gambling disorders. We have an epidemic of college student gambling that we are currently living through, and more is certainly to follow. Much of this is fueled by media and marketing campaigns and exacerbated immensely by university partnerships. So what do we take home from here? First, that recent trends in college gambling are certainly something to pay attention to. There's rising trends in marketing to young people and increasing rates of participation in sports betting. Two, it's the casualization of gambling in general. And third, who's at risk? Uh, me? Uh, just kidding. College students, predominantly male. And of course, what are the risk factors? Comorbidities such as ADHD and excessive drinking. In the next episode, our classmate will be addressing solutions to gambling issues and situations. And for now, we can only speculate. Perhaps a support group can be of help to current individuals experiencing problem gambling and future legislation to tighten regulations. Huh. Maybe I should stop gambling. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we hope you press play on the next episode.